Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast. Of course, I'm your host, AJ, and I have the privilege and pleasure to interview today Alex Iaquinto, host of the Last Gen podcast and youth pastor. How you doing, Alex? I'm doing great. It's great to be on. I love you so much, AJ, and uh, happy birthday, obviously. Hey, I appreciate that. Was your birthday earlier this week? It was, yep, on the 9th. The 9th. Okay, so it was last week. Nice. Yeah, last week. So, so March birthdays, we're both heading into our 30s. No, I'm just kidding. I know. <laughs> you're, you're 18, right? Yes, sir. Nice. Nice. So you can enlist, you can buy cigarettes. There's a few other things you could do, but probably wouldn't be good for your uh, relationship and walk with Christ. Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) But so uh, obviously, as I mentioned, you're the host of the Last Gym podcast. And uh, honestly, I guess that's probably how I found out about you through Miracle Word Ministries uh, with evangelist Ted and Carolyn Shuttlesworth. And I believe I'm, I might be already going down rabbit trails, but we do that here on the Faith for My Generation podcast. All right. I love uh, did you also do some, uh, was it Superbook on YouTube like years ago? Yeah. So, wow. That was, yeah. A, it was like a long time ago, but I, I, yeah. So I started out when I was probably 13 doing like, you know, like they have like the Superbook, like animated series, but then right. they also like introduced the show. And so like I was into acting at that point and I was like, you know, why not? And that was a, that was a fun thing to do when I was younger. Okay, and that kind of probably sets you up for what also I remember you being a part of and what y'all did for Miracle Kid or Miracle Word Kids. Right, yeah. Yeah, I've seen you on that as well, which uh, I'll just be honest with you. If you showed up at our church, there would be plenty of fangirls that uh, <laughs> that that would love to, to meet you in person. That A lot of the girls that my wife teaches in her class, they use the Miracle Word Kids program and all the, the shows that y'all have done. We've used them for a lot of different things. So we appreciate y'all putting that together. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's always fun to do stuff like that. Yeah. And so now tell us what you're doing. Tell us a, a little bit about yourself, where you are now, and and tell us some significant milestones and what got you to this point. Right. Okay. So as of now, as of um, mid-March, I guess it is, which is crazy. I am uh, right now, obviously, you, you mentioned with Miracle Word, I'm, I'm hosting the Last Gen podcast, of course, with other awesome hosts. You had Evangelist Preston on, and he's done a couple episodes. We've had my aunt do a couple episodes and, and my friend Lilia. Um, but that's one of the main things that I'm doing now, which is a uh, podcast for youth and young adults. Um, it's, really, it's really set up to teach young people why they believe what they believe, be on fire and stay on fire for God, and co- kind of like guide people through the the time of like being in high school being in middle school being in college like what a christian's supposed to look like in that time because there's a lack of solid teaching i feel like mm-hmm. and i mean you're picking it up obviously you're you're doing uh great things with this podcast um but yeah so the last gen podcast recently i bet this is like the uh sixth month uh that i've been a youth pastor um i'm a youth pastor in virginia beach virginia a church called Seashore Church, and um, this is actually probably my last month doing it because uh, soon I'm I'm moving down to Texas, and then right after that to Florida. Oh wow! Okay. Yep. It, what's taking you to Texas? Well, I'm doing some work in Texas, some sales work, and then I'm gonna okay. after the summer's over, I'm gonna head down to live in a Parkland area, a Coral Springs yeah. area, with my aunt and uncle. Yeah, so that I guess that'll keep you closer to the Miracle Word Ministries, the yep. the studio the studio studio and everything there. Sure, yeah, yeah. Because I, if I'm not mistaken, a, a good many of those podcast episodes uh, were recorded in a, in a state of art studio known <laughs> right. as your car, correct? Right. The uh, the new Hyundai Sonata. It's a, it's a really great studio. No, I mean I do that because <laughs> I I still. I don't feel, you know, ashamed to say this, but I do live with my parents. This is not my house. Well, you are um, 18. I am 18. I know. You're I know. not 32 like me. I mean, it would, be, it, would it would be, be a different. bit sad if, if that were your story. Well, you're hitting a little close to home. So. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So the closest, like if you are starting a podcast and you've got no place to go, mm-hmm. a car is surprisingly good because there's no echo. It's just like, it's perfect. And then I can park it wherever. Um namely like elementary schools and uh, stuff like that. Yeah, if, 
if you're not subscribed to the Last Gen podcast, you need to go listen to it. I'm actually not a Last Genner, I believe, as Preston uh, <laughs> coined that phrase. Uh, but I, I'm a millennial. But it's still, obviously, it's the teaching of the Word of God, anointed teaching. And so it applies. I mean, there's so many, obviously, specific things that may fall right into that Gen Z population. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, man, I enjoy all the episodes you put out. And if you're not subscribed to the Last Gen Podcast, make sure you do that. It'll be in the show notes. Uh, scroll down and go ahead and subscribe there because the most recent episode as of today, which today's March 17th, uh, Alex has a pretty good story uh, of what he's alluding to there, um, parked out in the elementary parking lot. And in fact, I was listening just just as a side note. I was running this morning. I was, you know, I always listen to podcasts or something like that when I'm out and about jogging, whatever. And uh, I'd scrolled back. I believe it was the one that you were talking about five mistakes, huge mistakes uh, with prayer. Right. And um, you were recording that one. Uh, it was either part one or two at a hotel. And yeah. that's when the garbage truck came by and decided to unload all the trash. I'm telling you, that is the most annoying thing. I mean, I'm sure you know. I'm sure you know. Because it's like you're, you're into it. You think you're like on fire. And then a garbage truck takes a trash can, slams it against the metal container five times. Like, well, <laughs> yeah. In the flow, I guess. Well, in my neighborhood, the garbage runs around 530, uh, 6 o'clock. And so if I'm up praying, generally doing my prayer time in the morning. There's mm-hmm. been a few times where I thought like the Lord would split the skies open and was about right. to rapture his church. And then I realized, Oh, it's Tuesday. They're right. picking up, they're picking up the trash. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us, tell us how, how did you get here? Or what was, what brought you to this point of hosting the last gen podcast? Well, I mean, I can't, I can't overlook the fact that I do have a uh, connection with my bosses, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. um, my uncle is evangelist uh, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. and my aunt's Carolyn Shuttlesworth. But obviously it's not be- because I'm their nephew. Mm-hmm. But I've had the privilege to sit in and under his preaching, his teaching, her teaching, and her preaching for you know as, as long as I can remember. I mean, I remember back when I was like 10, 11, 12 years old, being so infatuated with the ministry. Not only seeing that my uncle was talking about the power of God, but seeing it demonstrated. And that was something that I, I hadn't seen before. So it was, a, it was a huge contrast to church as I knew it because, you know, the uh, standard church model is nice, happy praise and worship songs, just very, very dry, very nice and, and going. And then we've got the announcements and then we've got a 20-minute message followed by the prayer d- dismissal. And then there was no time for the spirit to move. But I remember... There's some meetings that are just burned into my brain because I would I almost like stalked them because mm-hmm. like I would take any opportunity that I could at a, at very young ages to get in every single meeting I could. I would sit and I would just be like I will I will go for a week, I'll go for 2 weeks, I don't care. Any meeting I can get into, I want to get into because there's something different about this. Something about this is drawing me to it. Mm-hmm. And I remember um when I was 12 years old, or it was 11 years old, I was at what, what was called the Uproar Conference, and it's still going, um, in New York, up, upstate New York, which is Horseheads. I was sitting in the front row, and my uncle was preaching, and he was calling people out by the gifts of the Spirit. He was calling people out in words of prophecy, words of knowledge. And so that night, specifically, the Lord was doing something interesting where many, many people were being called into the ministry. And by prophetic words, and it was just a powerful service. And I remember sitting there at, on the edge of my seat, just so like engaged. And I saw everyone, one by one, everyone, it seemed like everyone and their mom was getting called into the ministry. And I was like, I was sitting there and I was thinking, Lord, you better, you better tell him to say that to me. And I was sitting there, you know, I was trying to, I was trying to build up my faith, like, Lord, now, have him call me out now, 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 in Jesus' name, now, now, now. I want, and I just wanted so much for, for the Lord to tell him, to tell me that I was going to do exactly what he did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, little did I know at that point that that was the Lord calling me into the ministry. But I, was, I, I went away sad thinking, well, I guess I'm just not called to preach. I guess, you know, it takes, it takes a prophetic sign. It takes four angels showing up at my doorstep or the heavens to split open for God to call me to preach. But I remember the next year. I was sitting there once again, I was feeling that tug like and I'm sure, you know, since you are obviously anointed to preach that when someone else is is preaching, teaching, 
there was something, and I'm not sure when you felt the call into the ministry at, you know, at large, Mm -hmm. but there was something in your spirit that thought I've, I've got to do that. I've got like, like I, if I, if I were able to do that, you know, there's just a, a weight behind it. And you think I can't think of anything else that I want to do, but, but watch the power of God operate and operate through me. And so Mm -hmm. I was sitting there once again, the next year, and it almost registered in my spirit. What if the Lord is just calling me and I don't need a sign? I don't need a prophetic word because a lot of times people do wait for that. They wait Mm -hmm. for, you know, the huge signs and they wait for, you know, heaven to split open. But really God mainly leads you through the inner witness, the the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. So I remember as soon as I made that up in my mind, Lord, I'll do it. Then my uncle (laughs) came over to me and said, Alex, stand up. And I still remember he said, you're going to, you're called into the ministry. You're called into a miracle ministry. And, you know, and from that point on, that was the confirmation. So I've known since then that, you know, there's, <laughs> there's no plan B. Mm. Uh, my guidance counselor and, and parents of friends have said like, well, what if it doesn't work out in the ministry? And I said, well, you know, I don't eat. That's it. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm not eating. That's, that's kind of the, the hard fact is that, you know, faith doesn't have a plan B. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think what's the important takeaway there, um, you know, obviously, uh, you're in ministry, I'm in ministry, but people that are listening to this podcast, regardless of what the call is, God has a calling for your life. Right. Regardless of your age, you can know that calling. And whether you're young, whether you're older, um, you need to find out what that calling is. You need to get before God through a time of prayer and prayer with fasting. You need to seek the Lord and find out why you were put here on the earth. What, what is your part to operate in the kingdom of heaven? And when you get a hold of it, like Alex is saying, once you find it, you get a hold of it and you don't accept plan B's. You, That's right. you, you put everything behind that. And what what I, I know you would probably, uh, I'm sure you would agree with this, but what I have found that when I kind of just went all in 110%, just fully in on what God's called me to do, I felt a fullness. I, I, I've told my wife that many times and different, different mentors and people that I've talked to, that once I went in all in there was just a fullness i I just the way i would say it i just felt full like i feel so full i feel so complete like it's not like i'm doing these other activities and thinking man if i could just do this other thing that's kind of itching away at me right and when you get behind what god's called you to do what he's knit you together for and formed you for and 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 that may also involve things that you've gathered up over years whether it's in middle school, high school, college, uh, in your early 20s, on into regardless of your age that you're listening, that there may be things that God's given you gifts or talents that will help you come up in to that fullness of the ministry. I know I know you mentioned um, it, w- it was in one of the podcasts, I believe, but you enjoy photography, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Right. I do. Well, I just started, you know, dabbling, you know, just as like a hobby. Yeah. But I mean, how often do you use cameras on all these live streaming events? I That's mean, you've right. Already- That's so true. You've already been around it. You already have an idea of it. So you you have these out, if you will, these outside talent, skills, and abilities that can come right up and just be like another leg on the table of your calling, That's as right. opposed to just trying to you know think. Well, all previous before this calling, all is of waste. Well, no, God. If God's given you a calling and you're you're being obedient to that call, He's going to open doors before you, and um, mm-hmm. That's, that's right. powerful. I, t- tell us. Tell us specifically as well, because you're a youth pastor, you're ministering to this Generation Z, this this younger population in America and across the world. Tell us how important that is for young people, because uh, speaking of an open door, and I'm not going to keep on talking, people want to hear you talk, but I had this open door, this open opportunity at my local high school beginning of December last year to be able to come in once a month for the FCA, which is funny. Because right. I'm not an athlete, right? FCA <laughs> right. Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I didn't play a sport my whole life. I'm a musician. <laughs> like I, uh, you know, anyway. So, but I, it was an opportunity to come in and speak to to these high schoolers. And I just continue to feel a weight and a desire to, to put this in them that if you're a child of God, you don't have to aimlessly wander through life. That is so true. Tell us about that. I mean, this this hit at the perfect time. My, my spirit's been stirred about, up about this for a couple days now. And I, I just did, did a podcast with some girls that were talking about the same thing. And then I, that stirred me up about 
college and, and young people finding their calling. But really, it's so true. If you are a child of God, there is no need to apply to 17 different schools and hope you get into the best one. There's no need to change your major five times. That all comes as a result of not seeking the face of the Lord. And let me tell you, those things will cost you in time, definitely in money, and, and it'll cost you wrong relationships. I mean, the, when God puts a path before you, he only has one will for your life. So the more and more you get off track, the more and more it's going to cost you, obviously. So you can know, set out before you, what God's called you to do. I mean, it's funny, like, you just asked, like, how did I get to this point? And so, you know, I've said that I've always known that that I was to be a minister since I was from the age of 12 or 11, maybe. And so, you know, I've always known that, but I didn't always walk in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure many people have this story, which doesn't have to be anyone who's listening. It doesn't have to be your story. But I, I um, in high school, I kind of lost sight of that. And I started living for the world because I, I thought, you know, I'll have my fun now and then I'll get into the things of God. Maybe when I'm in senior year, I'll get serious. And it's funny, I was living in full on sin. And then if somebody would ask me, what do you want to do when you grow up? Deep down, I knew evangelist, a preacher, you know, and and it's like the weirdest thing. But I obviously didn't say that to people. I kind of just went, well, I don't know. But, you know, there and there was nothing fulfilling about that. Nothing Mm -hmm. fulfilling. And it's funny, the last two years and almost like two and a half years that I've pursued it with everything I've had. Just like you said, there's a fullness, there's a joy, there's a peace that cannot be found anywhere else, that cannot be found anywhere else. And um, if you're a young person, I would really encourage you, if you don't know what, what you're called to do, please take some time, pray and fast, get, get outside of what the world expects you to do. You know, you don't have to go to college like everyone, the whole, all of society is, is pushing for you to go to. You don't have to do everything that the world is doing. God may call you to college. God may call you to Bible college. But the thing is, God has to call you or else mm-hmm. it will not work at all. Yeah, and and there's an anointing, there's a calling for every person in the kingdom of God. I can't stress right. that enough. You see it in the book of Exodus. Um, you know, the anointing came on people to work with iron, with That's brass, right. with, with cloth to build the temple and the tabernacle. Uh, there, there, In the book of Genesis, you know, it said that the Lord anointed people to make instruments of music. I, I mean... You see the anointing, even and I is um, Obed Edom when mm-hmm. the 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 gentleman when David's bringing back the Ark of the Covenant, right? And and one of the Levites reaches out and disobeys that command, and he just falls down dead when he touches the Ark, right. and they leave it with Obed Edom. Everything in his house begins to prosper. His family's right. in fullness of health. All his livestock are growing because the anointing that shows us this Old Testament symbol of what we have today, which is the Holy Spirit indwells in us individually. That's right. But that means that the Spirit of God brings increase and blessing on all the work of our hand. And so whether you're, you know, whether you're called mechanic, dentist, teacher, doctor, lawyer, whatever it may be, God's God needs holy men and women in every area of life. You know, you think about it with Daniel. Here's mm-hmm. Daniel. What is he? He's he's in bureaucracy. Right. He's a government official. That's right. He's, he's in two different kingdoms, three different kings that he serves under. But right. he's an anointed man of God. He gets to not only see what will happen for Israel, but the end of all ages. <laughs> right. He's so close to God. And an angel comes to him to give him an answer directly from the throne room. Mm-hmm. So you, you have a calling and you need to find that out. When you were speaking, it made me think Psalms 37, 23, the steps of a righteous man, they're ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. That's right. You know, there's two parts there. The Lord's going to order your steps. Those of you that are listening, seek God because he'll order your steps. And then once you find those steps, you delight in those steps. And he, and you also delight in his path and his ways, because what God will order for your life will be perfected. Now, that doesn't mean I'm sure you can give us some examples of that. Once you hit hook onto that calling and you go all in, that doesn't mean it's just easy sailing. That's right. There may be some pushback. Right. Right. That's true. There will always be pushback, especially when you when you start uh, following the call of God in your life. Number one, there's going to be pushback. Maybe there doesn't have to be. But many times there's going to be pushback from family. I mean, you think about Jesus. Jesus grew up. He was a Nazarene. 
he was from Galilee, and there was people that that knew him from birth, and then they mocked him later on, saying, "Is this not the Jesus that grew up? Is this not the carpenter? We know who this is, and now he thinks he's a man of God." There's going to be people that are familiar with you to the point where they think you can't really do anything that the Lord's called you to do. And many times, the sad thing is, is that parents will come. My parents haven't haven't pushed back on anything. They've been so supportive. So I'm not saying about my parents or or my uncle or aunt. They've been they've been great. But the reality is, is that many people deal with outside influences, you know, and, and the first thing that God's going to look at, are you going to follow the call even when it's unpopular? Are you going to follow the call even when in the natural there looks like there's no provision? I mean, you'll have people come up to you every single day and tell you, well, you know, you're going into the ministry, you better have a backup plan. And, you know, be like, what if it doesn't work out? And, you know, there's no money in the ministry. And the devil will anoint people to do that all the time. But God's looking to see you. He's he's the, the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro across the whole earth, looking and searching for one whose heart is fully turned towards him, on whose behalf he will show himself strong and mighty. So the, the first part of that is that no matter what anyone else is saying, your friends, your family, your parents, people at school, teachers, guidance counselors, no matter what they're saying, you're not you're not answering to God for their life, and they're not answering to God for your life. You're going to have to stand one day before God, and he's going to ask you, what have you done with what I've called you and given you? And you're going to have to show him, I answered the call or I did not answer the call. And that's up to you. That's a reality that you have to live in regardless, obviously, not just preachers. Obviously, every single believer, God's going to ask, did you do what I called you to do? in the field of medicine did you do what you do in the field of you know, law you know whatever it is god's looking to see if you'll be faithful because those who are, that are faithful with little will then become rulers of much yeah and that's that's so necessary if you want to walk with god as faithfulness and i believe there there's times of you know the book of james talks about count it all blessing Count it all, you know, count it unto righteousness, count it unto right. blessing. If you fall into, as it says, divers temptations in your King James, but into many trials or temptations. And we understand this, that trials and temptations or tribulation or something that may come that that's some what I'm using that phrase pushback. But you get that with this culture, whether it's people, you know, right. um, that's not to say what bad, wrong uh, I would say doctrine of devils that have creeped into religion and say, well, you know, that's not sickness. That's right. not, you know, poverty stricken. Right. This is we're talking about real Bible persecution, which mm -hmm. is when someone is going to push back someone that that you may be connected with. someone you may not even know, but they're right. going to come against you because of the message that you're carrying because of your faithfulness toward Christ. But right. that cost, we mentioned that here on the Faith for My Generation podcast, a couple of episodes back in the series I did him, we preach. But there's a cost to following Christ. You know, Jesus Very said, true. if you want to you want to follow me, go ahead. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, follow me. But he also makes this point, though, you you won't anything that you give up in this life. That's right. I'm going to bring it back to you a hundredfold. Right. Because there, the reward for following Christ is so large and, and insurmountable compared to the cost that it makes the cost look like, you know, a speed bump in the road. That's it's not right. that it's not real. It's not that it may not in that moment. You may feel a little bit. You may identify with Christ. I mean, imagine him. Here he is, the very people he came to save. He's on the cross for them. Mm -hmm. So so there's a cost there, but you lock into it and say, I'm not going to turn back from it mm -hmm. because that's really where the power comes in uh, from the Lord for, for you to push through. Is that I'm not I'm not backing down. It doesn't matter what comes against me. I know this is what God's called me to do. And you can see that in people's lives. I mean, you even see that we'll say perseverance or grit. I like right. that word better. Just this grit. You can see that in unset in sinners in the world that just have grit when it comes to something they like. That's right. And they'll just persevere. I mean, you look at like Jeff Bezos with Amazon, right? He starts off 25 years. He's just selling used books, right? But he just kept on pushing in and pushing a little bit further in the marketplace. And now, you know, Amazon is is like Google. We don't search things on the internet. We Google things. Right. We don't we don't shop on the internet. We Amazon. We prime it to our house. Right. Exactly. And so and so my thought process is I'm sure you'll be the same way. If he can do it and he doesn't have the spirit of God in him, 
<laughs> That's very true. How, how much more can a child of God who has this indomitable spirit of God take what's been given to them and just run full force with it? That's true. I mean, I mean, think about, and, and many of you, I'm not expecting everyone to understand this reference, but maybe you know who, who Gary Vee is. I mean, he's, he's a multimillionaire. He, I mean, obviously, he's got the mouth of a sailor. I'm not saying he's like, you know, the, uh, the standard to look at. But you see his drive and everything he's done. I mean, like his whole life is like there's no turning back. There's no plan B. He's just going to go all at it, like no matter what the cost. And then, you know, we, we don't see that a lot in the body of Christ, which is a sad thing because we've got a higher calling. We've got a greater message. We've got the spirit of God. We've got um, failure is not an option. And so, and then the, the devil tries to put timidity like, oh, what if it doesn't work out? Well, I mean, think about it. Even let's, let's get rid of the whole thing where faith doesn't work out. Like, let, let's just assume even if there was no faith, even if God wasn't even working for you, if God called you to do something, the God of the universe, the God mm -hmm. of the Bible, he created everything. He created you just because he said it, that is enough for me to pursue it with everything I have. But I mean, add on to the fact that he watches over your steps added on to the fact that failure is not an option. I mean, then you've got something where, you know, no matter what it costs up front, just like you said, it pays off in the end. And obviously I'm not to the point where it's paid off. I'm God's going to, God's going to um, test you on many things. And like I said, test is not sickness. He's going mm -hmm. to see what your response is when he tells you to move. He's going to see what your response is when he tells you to quit a job. He's going to see what your response is when he tells you to break up with that girlfriend. Hello. <laughs> and so you've got to realize if God's telling me to do something, there's a blessing on the other end. Yeah. And it reminds me of the, that parable, uh, one of the kingdom of heaven parables in the book of Matthew, the, mm -hmm. the one talent, two talent, five talent right. servants. And um, that one talent servant had this idea that, I have something, but I'm afraid to use it. I, I don't know if I can, if I have what it takes. I'm fearful, at least what he says. I'm fearful of the master, so I'm just going to hide this thing. Mm -hmm. But the two talent, five talent servants, they take what they have, they go and make it, and they make it produce. Mm -hmm. And 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 so many people, I think, uh, oftentimes overlook that everyone has an opportunity to either be a one, two, or five talent person That's in the true. kingdom of God. That's You've true. been given something. And how do you how do you make that talent or that skill or that gift or that calling that God's given you? How do you make it something that's doubled or bring mm -hmm. it back to God with added value? It's time, right. it's energy, it's effort, it's refusing to quit, and it's giving your time and your days added to it. And mm -hmm. um, I mean, you just, you just go full force in this. If I'm if my memory serves me correctly, did you not do? Was it last year that you did a crusade in Virginia Beach? Yes. Yes. So, so tell was, us about that. Cause I, th I thought that was so awesome. Cause at that point you were 17, right? Yes. So it was August, 2021, where we actually put it on. Um, I heard from the Lord about this time last year. Um, you know, and it took, it took me longer than I, I should have to go all at it. I, I heard from the Lord and I was like, okay, maybe I'll do it. And so, and it took me about a couple weeks to say, all right, I'm pulling the trigger and I'm going to go. But I, I remember the Lord told me, clearly to uh, put on a three-day revival meeting with emphasis on soul winning in the day and do it at the oceanfront. So that's all I knew. I didn't have any, I didn't have any plan. I didn't have any team. You know, there was no reservoir of money that I could just pay for the thing. I just said, yes, I'll do it. And so, you know, I imagine people thought I was crazy. People thought I was nuts. I had just graduated from high school two months earlier. And, um, you know, but, but the key is that I said, yes, I'll do it. Because part of it was like, to me, if, if God was calling me to do it at such an early age, to me, I just wanted to make sure, am I going to be able to do this at all? I mean, this is my whole career ahead of me. So I thought, you know, it, it's got to work either way. So uh, might as well see if this stuff doesn't work, then it won't work now. And so I just went at it. I, we shot a, uh, we shot a advertising video. We, we paid for the full, you know, it cost thousands and thousands of dollars. You know, we believe God for it. And it came in supernaturally, very supernaturally. And, um, and we put it on. And let me tell you, I don't know what I expected because I was just doing, I was just being obedient to God, but it, it far exceeded my expectations. 
because, you know, people I'm still in contact with people today that have actually that I'm youth pastoring now that got saved at Take VB. And they're like, I remember back when I got saved at Take VB and I was like, what you you got you were there? And they were like, yeah, I, I remember it. There was people who got, you know, touched in their body over the live stream, healed of depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts. And uh, it really it really was God's hand was behind it. We saw so many people saved. Yeah, that's so awesome. I mean, when I saw that, I remember seeing that promotional video. And then I watched the live streams as well. I thought, mm-hmm. man, this is this is this guy's on fire. He's got the anointing of the Holy Spirit and he's just going after it. And I just think, you know, at 17 with that boldness and tenacity, I really I'm, I'm going to brag on you for a second at that age. I mean, imagine what in 10 years, you know, you, you're already building that faith muscle. And here's the thing, y'all that are listening. Muth, faith is like a muscle. That's true. God's going to give you opportunity to exercise and strengthen you believing for something, whether it's for your family, for your wife, for your children, for where you're going to go to college, what you should do in life, whether it's for uh, finances, increase in in prosperity and healing in your body. God's going to give you opportunities to exercise that faith and make a stand on his word, whether it's his written word or it's a it's an inward witness of the Holy Spirit. He's going to give you an opportunity to stretch that faith muscle you have and really, you know, I've heard, I don't know exactly who to attribute this to. I've heard different ministers say it, but you don't need more faith. The faith you've got, you've got enough faith to start working now. You need just to work right. the faith you've got. You you don't need to just keep trying to grab out and get more faith because we understand faith comes by hearing. I'm not saying you right. don't grow your faith, but you don't have to wait to do what God's called you to do. You don't have to wait to stand on the promises of God and think, well, I need to build up my faith. If I had a little bit more faith, then I can do it. Take your right. faith that you have now, make a stand on the word of God and go for it. And that's what I saw in that. I think, man, I thought I thought that was so awesome. And I believe I believe there'll be many more of that. So let me ask you this. Uh, is that the call that you feel in your life as, a, as evangelist? Or are you still praying, discerning that call? I mean, obviously you're hosting the Last Gen Podcast right. you, for a time and have been youth pastoring. What is that? Do you have you quite locked in on that? Um, I do believe that. I mean, in the future, God's called me to evangelism, and I, I feel that very strongly. I mean, like I said at, at the beginning of my call, you know, I just heard from the Lord. You need to do what He He's doing. Watch mm-hmm. Him. You're doing what He's doing, and so He is an evangelist. Mm-hmm. So, and, and and I've felt that strongly from you know from that age, but. What's very unexpected is is where we're at now is because I never thought, I'm telling you, I never thought that I would do anything with youth. I would even say like, oh my goodness, like bless youth pastors because I don't know if I could do that because, you know, I, I saw youth as like a, a, a kind of a, I didn't have the grace for that or I didn't feel, I didn't feel, I, to be honest with you, I didn't feel a, a passion like, like people have for, for my generation. I thought, you know what? You know, I love them as much as I'm I'm supposed to love them. I I want them to be saved, but there was no like I you know, there was no supernatural backing behind that that calling. And it was interesting. It started with Take VB because I, I was thinking to myself, Lord, I'm not, you know, I know I'm to be an evangelist, but I heard from the Lord that it was supposed to be geared towards youth and I thought, I don't know. I mean, like I don't feel anything special for for this generation. But it really started then. And once I stepped out and I did that, the moment when I saw, I gave an altar call for depressed people, anxious yeah. people, you know, depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts. And that was the largest altar call. We had like 17 people or like throughout the whole weekend that were just, they wanted to be set free. And I remember some of my friends that I knew like since, since freshman year came forward for depression anxiety and told me later I was on the edge of you know I was about to kill myself and that that devil really got me stirred up and it really shot me into what I feel now and for the time being is that this generation needs to be saved and I can't explain it but over the summer God ignited something in me to see our generation I know you say you're a millennial but you're close you know we're the same you and me (laughs) And so, you know, our generation be saved and set free. And and ever since then, when when I had the opportunity to youth pastor, I felt to do it. But two years ago, I would have said, like, you're crazy. I, you know, I heard evangelist. I don't want to do anything with pastoring. You know, that's not my thing. I'll, but but God, God really changed my heart on that. And um, 
I mean, I, I believe God's preparing me for something. I'll just be obedient to what he says. Yeah, absolutely. That's when you were talking about that altar call of anxiety and depression. I mean, I feel like that's something that is a reoccurring thing that I experience um, with different people in the church that I pastor and different people I'm connected with here right. in the community of this of younger people. It, I remember it was, I don't know, seven, eight months ago, I was ministering here at church and and I had, I had you know, we came to the end of the service. We're ministering uh, by the Holy Spirit and uh, open up the altars for a time of prayer and healing. And I just said, and you know what, it, this is because specifically, you know, we believe in healing for the body, that the right. stripes of Christ Jesus, he paid the debt, not just for sin, but health and healing in our body. And so healing is ours, is covenant right of the children of God. But I made the point that I said, I want, I want people to understand that also this is, if you need healing in your mind or your emotions. Right. And the people that came up were young people. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and it's like, I keep seeing that. Oh. And, and tell me about that. What, what is it that, is there a particular reason? Do you think it's, is it because of the age? Does everyone hit that age or is it particularly to Gen Z millennial? Is it something to do with, I don't know, social media, culture, identity, the way Satan attacks identity. Tell, tell me about that, because I feel like there really is a battle for the mind of this generation. Obviously, we, we can see, and there's, pro, there's really no debate uh, around the fact that the chosen weapon of the devil towards Gen Z is mental illness. And it's just, it's, you can't really debate it. You can't say that it's primarily drug addiction. I mean, those things come because a cause of depression, anxiety, but you really see what's attacked is their mind and that 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 is so prevalent in our generation and really people in the world scientists social uh social psychologists clinical psychologists can't really understand why is it that we've seen such a spike in depression and anxiety over the past 10 years i mean i w w when did you graduate from high school 2008 2008 wow i was uh four okay so <laughs> not calling you old um um, but, but yeah, I mean, when you were in high school, did you see those things as prevalent as they are today? No, no, absolutely not. That's, that's the thing. Like um, my wife and I were just talking about this earlier today. Um, I, I just didn't see that. Mm -hmm. It, it, it seemed it, it, and it almost is a little bit surprising sometimes because like when I was mentioned, you know, different people, precious people that, that I love with all my heart. I mean, they're twenties you know, mm -hmm. 18, 17, even we minister uh, once a year, we go to a, a boys camp. It's like an right. outdoor camping boys camp. And even then, I mean, like last summer, I'm talking eight, nine year olds, you know, I always feel sad and I don't yeah. want to feel sad anymore. Right. It's, I, I don't think I'm, I'm qualified or even know, know the root cause. All I know is that it's the devil. And, mm -hmm. um, it, it, it truly is a demonic attack. It could be due to the fact, you know, social media is a new thing. And obviously, sin opens the door. Mm -hmm. And as the world gets darker and darker, more and more sin is opening the door to more and more things. And so, you know, right now in America, we're the most unhealthy we've ever been. And it's not because of COVID. We're the most, you know, the most obese ever in America than like now, the most depressed in America. And um, you can attribute that to sin ramping up but the bible says where where sin does abound that much more does grace abound and so god has really called and i and i know um all the people that i know in the ministry or are called into the ministry at my age 18 maybe they're 17 maybe they're 19 all of my peers so to speak they feel the same thing that god is specifically anointed he's raising up our generation to meet the need of depression anxiety suicidal thoughts because the devil, if he had his way, I'm telling you, every single person in high school would be on antidepressants, and it's close to it now. So, I mean, to say that this generation is just, they're doing all right, they don't need more religion, they don't need more Christianity, it, it, it really is the devil attacking. I, I, I don't know how else to explain it than that. <laughs> no, I think, I mean, that's exactly what it is. You can see, and maybe uses different tools that he can use, right. uh, but it's, it's apparent that there's an attack on, on the minds of, of Gen Z, of millennials, of, of this younger generation. I mean, I would even say just 
the nation in general. You know, right. the podcast here is called Faith for My Generation. And uh, if someone's older than me, they assume that I'm talking about like my generation. But, right, right. And right. I didn't even call it that. I got that title from Judges 2.10 where it says that there was a generation when Joshua and the elders died. In Judges 2.10, it says there was a generation that arose that knew not the mighty works of right. God. Mm-hmm. And so the purpose of this podcast and this this ministry of faith for my generation is is to shake and shape the nation, my nation, with the power of God's word. And and I didn't even see it as like just for young folk, you know, mm-hmm. just like right. when I think generation, I think the people that are inhabiting the earth now, right? they need a touch from God. Mm-hmm. Um, because even when you see uh, with, with depression and anxiety, uh, you mentioned about with physical health, ha- how much that will destroy your body. If you, if you're just always down and depressed, I mean, you don't want to go out and do anything. You don't want to be around right. people. And then it, it gives an opportunity for those suicidal thoughts. If you're That's already being true. brought down. So tell me this, what, what is it that gener- generation Z is looking for? What is it that this younger generation is looking for? Uh, it's funny. I, I feel like if you asked my uh, youth group that, they would say, oh, Alex has told us this multiple times. He's pounded it into our head. But I say this all the time, and it needs to be said. You cannot say that Gen Z is not hungry for God. You can't say it and be intellectually honest, you know, because as we see all of these things arising, a true hunger for a real spiritual power is being searched for right now. I mean, and it's being found in rocks. It's being found in crystals. Some people, the, the, the demonic. And the saddest thing is to see that the church is not meeting the need of the supernatural when the world is trying to do it. And so to say that this generation isn't hungry or isn't looking for God is a lie from the devil. I mean, you can't, you can't tell me that. I've seen too much. I've seen too many thousands of kids gather in a room for five hours, you know, yeah. praising and not leaving the building because they don't want to leave the presence of God. And that's a real thing. And so people like you and me and people that are in our position as, as ministers and up-and-coming ministers need to be uh, aware of and, and need to stop thinking that to, to reach this generation, we just need to get on their level. To reach this generation, we just need to be cooler, more relevant. I need some Yeezys. I need a, a cool tunic, a tunic T-shirt. That's not what's going to reach this generation. I mean, I found it. I, I told this to my my youth group, who um I'll I'll see in a couple hours. Um, I said to them, I was like, look, guys, it got to a point where, like, you know, we started and it started like six months ago, so it started like six, seven kids, and now we're about twenty average. And exactly. so, you know, that's that's some growth. And I said, listen, guys. How many know that this youth group is different than many other youth groups you've been to? And everyone's like, yeah, I, th- this, is, this is so much different than just games and a little word about this man named Jesus. And so, and I said, listen, I'm telling you, if, if other pastors, some other pastors saw what I was doing with this youth group, they would pull me aside and say, you're doing it wrong. They would say the exact opposite of everything that I'm doing. You know, to reach this generation, you need to have short messages. You need to have, please don't talk for more than 10, 15 minutes because people lose it, their their attention span is very short in this generation. I'm telling you, we've gone like an hour over just preaching and seeing the Holy Ghost move. And so I'm doing everything wrong according to the standard of religion and and the, the modern American church model. It's I would get an F minus in youth pastoring, you know, calling out specific sin calling for holiness. These things aren't popular. But what I've realized is my youth group didn't shrink when I started pressing into what the actual word of God says and telling the truth. It expanded because you, I I really do feel, and and being 18 myself, I feel like it's an advantage being a youth pastor because I know firsthand what this generation is looking for because I am one. And so like I got sick and tired of hearing preachers lie to me and preachers dumbed down the gospel. I got sick and tired of youth pastors saying, "Well, it's okay to uh, to do you know live in sin." I thought, "Well, what's the difference? Why should I be here and not in the world?" And I got sick and tired of this dumbed down, watered down gospel that didn't change anything. Never you know, never see a sick person healed. Never see any physical change in any way. And people are tired of religion. They're burnt out on religion. But when they see the real power of God and experience it for themselves, it is like the Oral, was it Oral Roberts who said that healing is the dinner bell for salvation? Mm. And it's, it's the same way with deliverance. It's the same way with the manifestations of the Holy Ghost. People are looking for a real faith that they can wholeheartedly throw themselves into 
because they're looking for identity. They're looking for identity. They're looking for real power. They're looking for honesty, for pastors to quit lying to them and saying it's okay to do certain things. And then them reading the Bible for themselves and realizing, wait a second, what he's saying and what the Bible's saying are not the same. Yeah, and that that's the thing. I believe it really was just deception. It was it was work of the enemy that crept into um, into the we'll say American church um, and and it, other nations as well. Western church, you can see it different places. I know not everyone, most everyone that's listening is in America, but not everyone that's listening. But and you can see it all through the world that mm-hmm. over the past 30, 40 years, it seems like there's been this shift, this this coming into where we need to dumb everything down. Right. Right. We need to make, uh, we don't want to do anything that will offend people or scare right. people off. When in reality, some people may need to be just yeah. frightened a little bit. Right. Exactly. I mean, you look at the book of Acts, right? I mean, fear <laughs> fell on all of the people and they turned toward the Lord. You know, right. the, the, I mean, it literally says things like that. And it's because we traded really, it's, I can't remember exactly which king it was, but it was one of the kings when you're reading through, it's, it's so sad when, when I do my my yearly Bible reading through and I'm hitting that point where in, I'm in first, second Kings, first and second Chronicles, you see where it was with King David mm-hmm. at Jerusalem. Israel, Israel is at the height. Right. But then you get out generations into these sinful kings and one king, he trades out the gold shields that David won in battle right. to, you know, Syria or Babylon, someone like basically trying to pay him off. And they replace the shields with brass. Right. They look exactly the same, but the value, the worth is is not even comparable. Gold that's to brass. Powerful. Yeah. And that's what's taking place. And um, unfortunately, and a lot of uh, churches and among a lot of Christian people, they've traded the gold for brass. Mm-hmm. They've lessened it to, well, let's do what looks markable. Let's, it's, hey, you need to run a church. I believe you need to run it with excellence. And there are that's good business principles. You know, your uncle evangelist Ted Shuttlesworth Jr., that I'm, I, I love him so much. But it, just today he was talking about five things about leaders can do. I was listening right. to broadcast. I mean, there are good biblical principles that, and really anything in the business world that's really good. Right. You can find it in the scripture anyway. That's true. And, and, and so there's good things you should run a business or a ministry or a church. You should run it with excellence. I'm not mm-hmm. saying you don't do that, but you do it with the fire and the anointing of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. because that's the change factor is the power right. of God moving through people, touching people. The word of God, uh, un, you know, not watered down, unadulterated mm-hmm. word of God preached with truth. And it's like you say. It, it, it goes against the church growth model, but here I am, I'm doing what I'm not supposed to do and I'm seeing growth. Right. And it's like, oh, wow. So I could either follow the head of the church, the Lord Jesus, or people <laughs> who sell books who, by the way, they tell me how to grow a church, but they don't pastor a church. That's true. <laughs> and they tell me they tell me what to do. But then if I do what the head of the church does, I get real fruit. And that's right. really what it comes down to. You want to see real fruit because I think there's a, there's a need for authenticity, not just mm-hmm. with, with with Gen Z, I believe, but just people in general. People can kind of like sniff through and and know when it's fake. Yeah, and, and I think people, you know, I know what Easter's coming up in a, in a few weeks. There'll be more people that will enter in churches on Easter than they do every year. It's true. Um, I have a friend that they he coined the phrase "creasters." They'll show up on Christmas and Easter. Right. Yeah. But but by golly, if they're going to show up, you better believe that I'm ready for them. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to preach the word of God. And, and they they will if they choose never to come back, if they choose not to respond to the gospel, it will not be because I gave them some Easter bunny on the stage mm-hmm. a, a illustration with a right. 30 seconds of teaching. It will be because they made a choice that they heard the gospel and didn't want to receive it. That's right. And, and and there's a necessity for authenticity. You, you made the point about the Yeezy Boost. I was actually going to make a, a, as my wife would say, a not funny joke. But I was going to say, so you're telling me when I speak to young people, it's not about how clean my Yeezy Boosts are, right? But <laughs> but how the anointing that I carry. I mean, Gen Z is looking for authenticity, right? That's right. And I think it's almost like any person. It's funny. Any person that has grown up in church. And has been around the religious circle, so to speak. They've grown up in maybe a non-denominational church who, you know, they they have nice messages. They dismiss on time. They do, they, they're excellent in what they do. Um, but there's no move of the spirit. Every single person like that um, who's grown up in religion, and then I show them, like, 
just how my eyes opened when I heard my uncle preach for the first time. Like, what the heck? Where has this been? And like, it's the same thing. People like, I'll send a message from my uncle that I do a lot because, you know, I I, I really believe in in his ministry, um, and he's anointed. Like, you know, like nobody's business. So, mm-hmm. but I like, I'll send them a message like that, or maybe they'll come to youth group and and hear me talk. Like, I actually care about the Bible, and it's like a shock factor. Like, wait a second, this is not church. Like, what what is going on? Like, I've had I've had so many young people. They, they uh they're weirded out at first like weirded out's not not the right word but they they talk to their friends like that was different you know the friends that brought them afterwards they're like that was different but i i want to come back and it's mm. like they're weirdly drawn to it because why because i'm being authentic i i don't say i don't have three points in a poem and it's not wrong to have outlines it's not wrong to have good sermons we need good sermons but if a good sermon lacks the holy ghost please don't preach it because mm then it's just words that people can discredit later. But when someone when someone sits in a church service and, and someone is talking about the word of God and it, it registers in their spirit, then the spirit of God can draw them. Then, then they can like go away thinking something happened there. It wasn't just a form. It wasn't just an event. There was something different about that than a club. I mean, right now, churches is, is people want to make church just like the club. I mean... Mm. They, they want to make it just like a social gathering. And when you take the Holy Spirit out, people will stop coming. I mean, people will stick around for the, uh, the fellowship, so to speak. They'll stick around for the good coffee for a little bit. But the moment trouble hits in their life, they're out because they're looking for help in the world. Because they think, you know, if I can get help in the world better than I can get here, what's the, the point in sacrificing a Sunday or sacrificing a Wednesday night? Because there's no power. There's no... Um, power that comes behind the preaching. It's like Paul said, and this is one of my favorite verses in, in uh, 1 Corinthians. He said, when I came to you, I did not come in the uh, lofty words of enticing men's wisdom, but I came in the power and the demonstration of the Spirit. The power and the demonstration. Demonstration meaning I'm going to say something, I'm going to talk about Jesus, but then I'm going to show Jesus. And when you demonstrate, I mean, preaching is a show and tell, but it's a tell then show. It's, I'm going to talk about Jesus can heal, but then you're going to see it. And when you see it, you're going to know what I said is true. And that, that's, what's, that's what's missing at large, but that's what people are looking for. And I think it's necessary, too. Uh, a lot of what we're talking about is with, with ministry. Mm-hmm. But you that are listening as a believer, as a Christian, that's true. you have a responsibility to the people you're around, your classmates, your coworkers your your husband your wife your your children you have a responsibility as a christian to carry the power of god in your mm-hmm. heart and your life so that when you show up at the job you show up at school you show up at your church when you're serving in your church when you're in the community you're in the marketplace that you can be the hands and feet of christ jesus that you can tell someone about christ that you can tell them about what he's done in your life and then you can minister that anointing through the word by laying on of hands, by witnessing, by praying, to, mm-hmm. praying with people right there on the spot. I mean, I, this is something I started doing years ago, and it, you know, it's funny now thinking about it. But at the time, I was surprised. You know, how how often do you hear Christian people say, well, "I'll pray for you"? I'll pray for you. And I used to say that all the time. We pray. And then you. one day, it just kind of clicked in my mind. I was like, "What if I just prayed for them right then?" Right at the gas station. Right. Right. Or or when I'm visiting in the hospital or, or a grocery store or something. Mm-hmm. And what, there's two things I found out. One, no one ever turns down prayer. At least I haven't come to it yet. They mm-hmm. generally I mean, maybe I don't even I don't know if I could say one person. They generally don't turn down prayer mm-hmm. that now they may be like, oh, OK, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But mm-hmm. most people, most people are like, oh, absolutely. Because their heart's hurting. They're right. heavy. They're struggling with something. They have something they want to be freed of. The second thing I saw, you see the power of God. Mm-hmm. because you're taking action. Right. Why am I going to pray right here, you know, at in the parking lot on the way out when we were just chit-chatting and happened to see mm-hmm. so-and-so? Why why pray here unless I expect something to happen? That's true. And, I, you know, why, why have a time of ministry a- after a church service unless I expect that God's going to be faithful to fulfill his word? And I do mm-hmm. expect it. Yeah. And you should expect that in your life regardless of who you are, what you're doing, you should expect always, that's what faith is, knowing that God's going to fulfill his covenant, part of the covenant, when we show up and fulfill ours. Mm-hmm. And um, 
Yeah, I think that's that's so necessary to understand because I decided that in these few opportunities, because I've not, I'll be honest with you, I had that same feeling, but uh, I guess a little bit more years on you. But when I had this opportunity to open up to me to to speak uh, with the FCA group, I'm thinking, man, I just I, you know, I'm not a youth person. Mm -hmm. But then the Lord reminded me, hey, you asked for an open door. Here's an open door. Right. And how many times are they going to hear the word of God in the public school that day? Right. They're they're going to be taught about 87 different genders. Mm -hmm. That's right. Not the the truth of God's word. So I, I just said it's an opportunity. And so. I just decided, you know, I'm not going to try to come up with any silly jokes or this or that. I mean, I used the illustration last time, but it was like, you know, a minute or two. It was a fun one. Everyone got laughing. But mm-hmm. the, I made a point that I'm going to go in. I'm going to share the word of God. Right. I'm going to see the fruit of it because the word of God is what brings about the power of God in people's lives. And I think mm-hmm. that's what Gen Z, millennials, boomers, Everyone, the silent generation. If we have any of the silent generation from the 1930s listening today, I want to give you a very special thank you for joining <laughs> us on the podcast. Of course, they're not going to tell you that they're listening. No, the, the, yeah, yeah, they will. They won't leave me a five star review either. I don't guess. <laughs> but, but regardless of who you are, that's that's what people are looking for: is the power of God, the true supernatural power of God that that's He's real. Mm-hmm. And it's like you saying that, as Paul said, by the Holy Spirit in First, First Corinthians, you know, it's not about enticing words, but it's the demonstration of the Spirit. It's the working of the power of God, because that's what changes people's lives. Well, mm-hmm. we're coming up to the close of this episode, Alex. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for joining me. But I've got a couple speed round questions for you. All right. Cool. I'll go quick. All right. Here we go. Paper or digital Bible, if you're going to sit down and read. Um, if it's like just devotional time, it's going to be paper. If I'm using resources like, you know, like concordances and stuff, it's so much easier to just use online. Yeah. So I have usually Bible, iPad, Bible desktop. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is this is interesting because pretty much everyone else in other interviews, they said the same exact question because right. there's no doubt about it. Digital is right. easier for study. But I was I was surprised because so often I see people in church, they've got their phone for for Bible, right? Right. But so many different people I've asked and I did a poll on the Instagram. I mean, people like the paper Bible. Now, maybe they just forget it. Yeah. <laughs> maybe something's sitting on top of it. I don't know. But people people like the paper Bible. I love the touch and feel of it. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm a sucker for good leather Bibles mm. like they're you know, I love nice, genuine, like lambskin, you know, cow skin, just nice Bibles. I, I, I like I really do like like physical Bibles. Yeah, I, this Bible that I'm carrying right now, they're coming out with a brown in it in in, a, in the month, in, a, in about a month from now. And my wife was like, you don't need that one. It's just a different color. I was like, yeah, but that's the thing. It's a different color. So right, it can yeah. match with my suit on Sunday. I mean, yeah. I may need black. I may right. need brown. Who knows? Right. What ca- Do you have a Schuyler Bible? Is that what that is? No, this is actually a Nelson. It's the okay. premier edition. It's New King James Nelson, but it's the center column rep, center column reference. Okay. And and I've all I've used reference for a long time. I like study Bibles. Obviously, mm-hmm. I'm connected with the Dake Annotator reference. Right, Bible. which I just learned, and that shocked me because like I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, my father, uh, Pastor Leon. That that's what I call him when I'm at home. Obviously, right. hey, Pastor Leon. But no, my dad. He he was he did a lot of the theological work with uh, Dake Publishing. He got wow. hooked up with him back in the 80s. In fact, when he got saved, his best friend brought, uh, gave him a Dake Bible and a God's Plan for Man, which is a book by Finest Dake. Right. Yeah. And so that's how he got interest, in, interested in that. And then, right. and if you if you own a Dake Bible, his name's in the back when it goes through the Study of the Ages charts. And um, but he does a lot of work with that. So we're connected with them. And um, I love those Bibles. But I got hooked with this center column reference. Just and I, I like the format. Mm-hmm. I know I want to like paragraph format. I want to like other, you know, single column format, different things. But right. I always come back to the center column. Yeah. And those Schuyler Bibles are beautiful Bibles. Is that how you say it? Schuyler? Or Schuyler. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Schuyler. Like, I'm looking at it and I change it every time. Yeah, I do too. We don't know. We'll just have to call the people. Yeah. We'll have to ask them. Yeah. <laughs> but they're beautiful Bibles. I mean, it's like the R.L. RL Allen. I don't know if you've seen mm-hmm. those. Those are... Those are made, I believe, in Scotland, handmade mm-hmm. Bibles. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's absolutely, it's a work of art. Mm-hmm. If you're going to read a book, are you going to read read it? Are you going to sit down and listen to it? Is it audiobook, uh, book? 
it's most likely going to be audiobook um only because I've grown up with YouTube and I listen to everything. Like if I've got downtime, I'm not going to let downtime go by without like you know, and maybe I got this from my mom who's like super she's literally a genius and I'm not saying that to be cute like measurably. And so like she's got you know she's always learning about things, my uncle who's always learning about things. But you know, if I'm if I've got time, I'm either popping on a message, putting it on YouTube and just putting my phone away or I'm going to learn something about like something that interests me like cameras or you know just you know just random things that i probably will never use <laughs> you know and i I've, i was thinking about this just a few weeks ago but that is so i believe particular to mm -hmm. our age and generation now you, you you said you were four when i graduated high school but i believe yeah. 2008 was also the same time 2007 2008 is when youtube was created wow so i remember life before youtube Right. I remember life before Facebook. I had a MySpace. I had to go through the process of picking my top eight, which you Did don't even know what that's wow. about, right? Well, I mean, I've heard <laughs> legends about it, but I don't even know if it's true. <laughs> so, but but this idea of like watching on demand, mm. I was tell, I, I think I was talking to my dad and I was like, I don't even, the idea of turning on TV right. and flipping through channels and being like, oh, such, my favorite show comes on at six. It doesn't cross my mind. That's never like I can't I just even remember search. not having a DVR like DVR. Like yeah. there was never a time where I didn't have something being able to be recorded like yeah. that's how that's how young I am. Yeah, I just hit YouTube. I don't even want like I mean, we have Disney Plus or Hulu, things like that. Right. But most of the time I'm if it's me, I'm just going to flip on YouTube and, True. you know, search out, yeah. a, you know, whatever, you know, arts and crafts. Or right. <laughs> right. Know, something to watch something funny. Right. But uh, all right. Last question. Now, I believe I put that in there. Yeah, okay. The very important detail to this last question. If you could sit down and talk with anyone apart from our Lord and Savior, I had to add that in right. because of Preston, Evangelist Preston, because he <laughs> made the point. He said, well, obviously that's the like required answer is Jesus. Right. Yeah, but apart right. from our Lord and Savior, who would it be, living or dead? Who's it going to be? Are you, are you looking for a, a biblical character? or No, it can be anyone. It could be anyone. Well, I feel yeah. bad like saying someone that's not a Christian apart. Let's just say like obviously... I'd hit the main characters in the Bible. I'd want to talk to Peter. I'd want to talk to Elijah, Moses, and I'll talk to them eventually. But on this earth, I very much would like to sit down with Joe Rogan mm -hmm. or um, Jordan B. Peterson. Okay. So nice. are you familiar with Jordan Peterson? Both, yeah. Yeah, clinical psychologist. He's Some people say he's the most um, important uh, philosophical voice in our in the past 100 years, and I've, I've been following him. He's... On the edge of getting saved, he's almost there. But mm -hmm. he's he's a real genius, and he, uh, I, I just I just like listen to his lectures and stuff like that. But he's he's really interesting, and obviously Joe Rogan is the best conversation. You know, he's he's got a gift for that. There there was a uh, a minister. He's actually a Presbyterian minister uh, by J. E. Adams, mm -hmm. and he actually pastored just about twenty miles from where I'm at. I'm in Lawrence in Simpsonville area, and he fathered nuthetic counseling which is yeah. Christian counseling, but he created this term nuthetic, which means unique mm -hmm. because if you say Christian counseling, generally what people think is someone who is a Christian, but uses worldly psychological practices to counsel you and then right. prescribe medicine, basically mm -hmm. almost like a referral thing. Yeah. But Jay Adams made, he pioneered this idea of I'm going to take the Bible and mm -hmm. here's your problem. Here's the answer. Do this, come back, you know, a week and here's right. your homework. Take this, do what the word says. That's your homework for the week and come back next week mm -hmm. and we'll talk some more. Yeah. And um, that's what, that's the type of counseling that we use here in, in church at gospel tabernacle. Mm -hmm. And Jordan Peterson reminds me a lot of now, obviously not a Christian, but he keeps stumbling around like <laughs> he, on the I truth. Mean, he, he listen, he preached the best message on consecration that I've ever heard without knowing it. Yeah. And, and he keep, and he reminds me of a lot of what Jay Adams pioneered this idea that like, True, true psychological understanding of how the mind works, which is what I put in it is going mm -hmm. to give me a product. And if you don't change what's coming in, like mm -hmm. modern day uh, Sigmund Freud, uh, Skinner, Jones, these different modern day psychologists and, and people like that, they, they kind of develop this idea of, well, this guy's a, a murderer, a, a serial killer, but it's not his fault. His right. mind just flipped. Yeah. But you see with Jordan Peterson, he's like, hey, it's very cause and effect, mm -hmm. you, you know, and, and so that reminds me of that. But then, of course, Joe Rogan, 
I think that should be a that's a faith goal. I believe. Yeah. To get yeah. on the Joe Rogan podcast. That would that would blow my ministry up to the next level. And not <laughs> not catch a a uh, secondhand high while you're right. in the yeah. studio. Yeah. Yeah. Or get like <laughs> thrown into the demonic realm with mushrooms on accident. <laughs> Joe <Obviously>. Rogan. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Joe Rogan and Jordan Peterson, those are excellent answers. And how much of a uh, how much they turn upside down a lot of people's thinking. Oh yeah. And it's because they grasp a little bit of strips of truth here and there. Yeah. I mean, imagine if people get this unrestrained. That's right. It's like it's like what they're doing times a thousand. Yeah. Will we'll hit people's minds. And I believe that's what's going to take place. I truly believe that uh, you, um, many other people that are being raised up right now by the power of the Holy Ghost is going to shake this nation. I truly believe that there is an end time harvest that we are here in the midst of it. And I, we're going to see the power of God shake our nation one more time. We're going to see people saved, people set free and delivered. And I believe you're going to play a part in that. And I'm so thankful that you are here on the Faith for My Generation podcast, Alex. I really do appreciate your time. I appreciate your wisdom and everything you had to share with us today. Well, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate coming on here. I love you. I love all that you do. And I hope to meet you in person one day. I mean... Yeah. I know it. In classic younger age fashion, I guess, millennial Gen Z, we were in the physical building but didn't exchange hellos uh, in North Carolina last year. Were we? Abermarl, North Carolina. Oh, my goodness. I didn't even know that. That's crazy. <laughs> it's okay. I was I was busy with my daughter. With At that point, she would have been like five, six months. So Laura oh, wow. and I were taking shift change between services and this and that. So right. it's all good. We well, we basically know each other. We we've, yeah. we've clicked the follow button on Instagram. How much We're closer like, can you, you get? Know, exactly. So. <laughs> We're friends on MySpace. You can't get closer than that. Yeah, you're in my top eight. So I mean, <laughs> what what else do you want from me? <laughs> well, again, thank you so much, Alex, and thank you for listening to the Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you, and every Thursday I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.